Welcome to the Behind the Curtain Podcast, your real-world guide to real estate investment and property management. In this episode, we will be discussing rental scams and a recent event that made local headlines. In Neighborhood Chat, we will be hearing more funny news of the strange but true. And finally, Brett and Glenn discuss how they are currently assisting investors with tenant-occupied property to sell their homes while property values are at an all-time high. Hi, I'm Richard Roy. I'm usually behind the scenes of the podcast, recording, producing, and getting the show ready to be published. But today I'm behind the mic alongside Aaron and Alex. Today we'll be talking about a news story that I saw recently. Uh, I think it was at the beginning of April. And the Shelby County Sheriff's Department had indicated that five or more people had each been caught up in a rental scam. And each had been scammed out of many thousands of dollars. This was a case where deceptive ads had been placed on Facebook Marketplace. In one of the cases, a woman said she found the perfect house. And when she contacted the person behind the ad, the man claimed to be the owner of the home. Well, she paid this man $1,700 through an app. I'm guessing it was something like Venmo, maybe PayPal. The man gave her a code for the lockbox on the house, but it later transpired that he was not the owner of the home. This reminded me of a story from about 10 years ago where a similar situation happened to enterprise property management. I'm sure you remember this, Aaron, but I recall a similar situation where the scammer used one of your property's details to post an ad online. And then I think, didn't the scammer take a deposit from the man that responded and told him to hire a locksmith to get into the property? Do you remember more of the details and how you came to find out that someone was squatting there? It was actually, it was really super strange. We had gone to the property uh, to show it one day and uh, the sign was missing from the yard, which is not uncommon for whatever reason. We, we lose for rent signs often. And, um, and so the, the, the property, uh, you know, we tried to enter the property. Our keys wouldn't work. Um, I remember receiving the phone call calling our locksmith. The locksmith went to the property and found that there was someone that had moved into the property. Um, and he had only moved in just a little bit, which, which seemed very, very suspicious at the time. Uh, he had moved in a few boxes, maybe an air mattress, things like that. It was almost like he was, you know, crashing at a friend's apartment or something, you know, just temporarily. Um, um, and we asked him, you know, what, why he was there. And he uh, said that he had signed a lease with a, a man and uh, he had moved in and it was his house. And uh, it was uh, in the lease that he should change the locks, basically said that the old landlord had not changed the locks yet. And, and the landlord said that he would give him a credit uh, for changing those locks. So he went ahead and, and uh, had a locksmith pick the locks. Um, he showed us a receipt for that. We actually called that locksmith and uh, it just became a whole big mess just right from the very beginning. So they, they found the right person to scam, certainly. They really did, yeah. But, um, well, you know, do, do you want to discuss like where the property was discovered? Go on in. Okay, Craigslist. Yeah. 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 So, so, you know, I, I find that Craigslist is good for a couple of different things. It's great for reselling children's furniture, okay? It is great for reselling a car that nobody else is going to buy, right? Like, does it drive? Yes. Would you take anybody out on a date? And it absolutely not. You know, some 
16 year old is just going to love this old Camry or whatever, you know, but what we found in that very moment, that was the decision day for us to stop, completely stop using Craigslist to market any of our four lease properties, vacant properties. All that to say, uh, Craigslist scams have been around for a long time. All of us know when we, when you say Craigslist scam, we all know what we're talking about. Someone has been affected in, in your world by a Craigslist scam. And um, this fellow claims to have been um, uh, fallen to prey to one. Yeah. And just to clarify, Craigslist itself isn't bad, mm. um, but it is just one notice board that anybody can pin anything they like and put a message out there. Right. So people good and bad are doing business whether it's legit or not let me introduce our uh, leasing assistant alex etchison hey everybody how you doing <laughs> alex uh, decided to, to come up here with us and talk a little bit about what his experiences have been with scams and so alex this situation that we're talking about it happened a long time ago like 2008 right. 2007 something like that you've not been with us you know, but you've been with us for three years, I think. Now? Going on three, yeah, yeah, going on three years, and it's been excellent having you here. Um, just for the sake of for our listeners, how old are you, Alex? I'm about that's turned twenty nine in April, twenty so seventh. Twenty nine yeah. years old. I'm in my mid forties. Okay, so what's great about having Alex, you know, with the team is that he has grown up with the internet. Obviously, you know, we use the internet for all of our marketing. There's there is no marketing that we do outside of internet marketing, and so Alex is very astute when it comes to operating the the internet marketing side of our our leasing uh, program. We've not been on Craigslist now for about 13 years. Are you still seeing Craigslist scams uh, happen where people are saying that they're finding our properties? Yeah, absolutely. People are still taking our information, putting it on Craigslist, using their own contact information and coming back to us with it. And, you know, always do your research. Always be on, you know, if it's too good to be true, most likely it probably is. Um, So always go by that and do as much research as you can with those kind of situations because the people are still out there. Even if you're not posting on there like we don't anymore, they're still creating those ads uh, without our knowledge yeah and one of the things we've discussed in the past because uh my history with Aaron is we've worked together for about just over 20 years is yeah, it? and uh, yeah. you know many of the marketing things that i've done for the company have resulted in making adjustments so that we reduce or essentially indemnify ourselves against these scams as the signs seem to be highly valuable and people steal them all the time, we're out in the neighborhoods on a regular basis. And, you know, just as you're out showing a house, you're passing by another one and you, you look and the, the sign's gone. Or even worse, the sign's there, but it's been torn up. Um, so leaving evidence at the property that it is an enterprise property, uh, making it known as soon as that property becomes vacant, uh, helps deter people should they hire a locksmith and get inside the property. Once they're in the property, there is evidence that it is an enterprise property management property. Yeah, I, I think to your point, and then I, I want Alex to speak on this, um, you know, Alex is always driving and looking for signs, right, and making sure, yeah, we do sign checks is what we call mm-hmm. them. Um so probably, you know, thinking 13 years ago, the first step that that con artist uh, did was probably to remove the sign from the property. Um, and then my understanding, too, in that specific Craigslist scam is that it happened very quickly. Um, his Craigslist uh, listing 
was up for maybe 48, 72 hours. And so by the time that this gentleman and, and we, I mean, we called the police, right? We did everything we could to try to figure out what was going on. He spoke to the police. He ended up speaking to the news, uh, a news station here in Memphis. And, um, he relayed his whole story. It was this, it was this man's 15 minutes of fame. Well, he had about, uh, 60 seconds of fame and that, which reran, you know, several times on the local news. Um, but he very, very tearfully explained his situation and his side of it. So, you know, we have no reason to believe that he was not being honest in, in how he was defrauded of his money. They, he, they, we never found or he never found the person that stole his money. He never got it back. It is a classic like, guys, this is not an urban legend. Right. Like these people will take your money and you'll never hear from them again. Mm-hmm. You were going to say, oh, no, I was just going to say, like, it's really suspicious when they're trying to use apps to get you to pay money for it like always be suspicious of that and do like i said do research constantly about what you're getting into because it is again if it's too good to be true it most likely is you know you gotta you know figure out like do they actually own a property you can do research online for free to figure out who owns property and make sure that, that everybody um is doing what they're saying they're doing and making sure it's through the right people always question everything when it comes to where you're going to be living and what you're dealing with as far as those kind of situations go. Um, as far as about the signs and everything, um, we uh, had calls recently where I kept getting calls in this house. I'm like, that's not one of our properties. It was really kind of confusing. It was kind of close to one of our other ones. So, uh, you know, maybe they got the wrong address. Um, so I finally got time to go out there and try to find this random sign that was in this random yard and by the time I got to it it was torn up and messed up um, taken out of someone's yard but it was near where they said it was but it was not one of our properties so somebody had taken a sign from one of our properties and put it into another one which created a kind of an issue for us because we kept getting calls that were backing up our own line system for the uh, actual properties we're trying to get rented. Do you know what they ever found? Like, did you see anything online for that property? Um, they were just calling off of the sign? Just, just calling off the sign. Yeah. From what I, yeah, nothing that I could find otherwise. Um, so it could just been just teenagers picking up a sign and moving it to another yard for right. whatever prank or whatever. But either way, it's still causing, causing a lot of confusion for a lot of people seeing the sign and for us on the other end. It is really funny when that happens. I mean, I've been doing this for, for 20 years and um, every single year somebody steals a sign and puts it in somebody else's yard and you know i don't know it's it's crazy um but yeah that's 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 silliness and and we're often called it's not just signs but we're often called about other people's listings Mm -hmm. but but what alex said is true i mean let's just assume for a moment that out of the 10 mistaken calls that you receive per month on properties that we don't manage that they are people are just confused Right. As to what's going on. Um, We're in a bit of a housing crisis right now at the end of covid and uh, rents are going up. People are shocked at how much these properties are renting. For sure. Yeah. And and I am, too, to be honest. Um, uh, Covid has basically eliminated so much product Um, there. There's just not the houses out there to be found anymore. They're all got they've all gone up in price. And I would say well, more than half of the properties that are listed for lease are not in good condition. So people are expecting you to pay more for properties that aren't worth it. You right. know? Um, so at, again, you know, Alex here and in leasing assistants and leasing agents all over the city and all over the country are put in a situation to where one wrong number and you get a hold of someone who's not honest. 
like Alex's. It's not they're not honest like Enterprise is, and they're they're able to take advantage of of people. Um, there was a news article that Richard had referred to before, and it, it was a was this a Craigslist scam or was it a? Uh, it was Facebook Marketplace. So I I like Facebook Marketplace. I uh, sadly I think Facebook Marketplace has already gone the way of Craigslist. Um, there's a lot of unscrupulous people on Facebook Marketplace, and someone had been taken advantage of just recently in the same way mm. that this poor person was 13 years ago. You know, it's not Facebook itself, but the fact sure. that there's unregulated right. freedom to post whatever you like and say pretty much whatever you like. Right. You can entice people in such a way. You know, one of the things I'm interested to hear is, you know, these scams these scams aren't new. They're just in a different scope of how they're being placed in today's technological environment. When we had the person in the property all those years ago, what was the process at that point to gain the property back? How long did that take? What did you have to step through? Well, um, so we called the police the same day that we discovered the man and we told the homeowner um, that homeowner is no longer with us, um, unlike other interviewers. Uh, interview, interviews that we've had, um, that homeowner was looking really for a fast move. And so they actually owned the property for maybe all of three years. Uh, and then they, they got out. Uh, it just wasn't the type of investment they were looking for. So anyway, they weren't helpful. That homeowner wasn't helpful. So we called the police and um, the police came out and they interviewed the man and they uh, walked back to um, a member of our staff who's still working with us. And they said, I'm sorry, he he has his rights. I mean, like we can't we can't prove that he um, is has is trespassing. He has a lease. Uh, he's got money order receipts where he's shown that he's paid a security deposit. This man leased this property or is at least under the impression that this lease is legitimate and he's moved his furniture in. Like, we're not going to arrest him. We're not going to remove him. You have to go through the eviction process in order to um, remove this man from your property. So it was the one and only time in our company history where we had to go through the legal process to evict someone who did not had not signed a lease with us. So anyway, we went through the eviction process. He came to court again, another tearful. This is after his news expose or whatever, you know, and uh, came to court, told the judge everything. And the, and the judge just looked across at him. And after having heard our testimony uh, said, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Such and such, you're going to have to leave, you know. And so he had the 10 days just like anybody else. By the time we got the house back, uh, he had, had left. We didn't have to move anything out. But we did have to go through the, the typical eviction process in order to to regain possession of the property and how many days would you say that entire process was from between when you realized someone was in the property to to having it back in your possession we were newer at this business at the time so honestly we felt bad i think that we probably consulted with two different attorneys before um we filed for this man's eviction because i mean we were a new story i mean we enterprise hasn't been on the news since we we, we just want to do our business we don't want to be on the news so we were kind of concerned about public image and how that would look um but he, after a couple of days uh, we filed for the eviction typical eviction processes take between four to six weeks um to work their way out. Um, I think that Mr. I won't say his name, um, had a, uh, a continuance, uh, which granted him an additional two weeks from the initial setting. And then he did not show up to the second setting. He was already in the process of trying to move out. Um, so that was a total of six weeks. And how do you think that the current eviction status 
with a moratorium being in place does that impact that you know if someone was duped into going into a home that was yours and how would that affect your ability to have repossession so i have uh, first of all during the year of covid that we're, we're in our year anniversary more or less here in april but we have not thank god had any issues with uh people moving in and squatting i don't think right alex I mean, uh, not to my current knowledge no we haven't had any big issues yeah we've had some trespassers yeah it happens <laughs> right exactly but but nobody who wanted to stay and was willing to right, put up correct. a fight right know. so um we've been very fortunate other property managers have had squatters especially with properties that are not properly managed uh, properties that are not being monitored um, on a regular basis those houses will be very attractive to people that just need a place to get out of the cold and by the way we have had those in the past to answer your question Richard theoretically okay during the CDC eviction moratorium if somebody were to move in to a property and be squatting there um, and not be removable by the police so basically, that just means that the police make a decision. They're not going to arrest this person. OK. And so we're left to, to, to go to the courts in that situation under the eviction moratorium. It would have been challenging. The courts were closed. It wasn't that they just weren't um, hearing cases because of the moratorium. The court said, you know what? We're just not even going to be open. And that was due to covid had nothing to do with the moratorium. Well, now that the courts are open again and they're hearing cases again, um, COVID has probably delayed evictions. I'm just going to venture a guess of 10 to 14 weeks for initial settings. So yes, if you want to talk about an absolute worst case scenario, this is it. You know, you go to show a house, somebody's living in there, the police won't arrest them. You file for their eviction. And then four months later, you know, the judge might grant you possession of the property. That's horrible. I can't even imagine. Thankfully, that hasn't happened yet. And that's one of the reasons why you've built into your management practices checks and balances. And so you can have more eyes on the property. I know you have your inspector that goes out. You have Alex that's out leasing properties and then other members of staff. And that gives you so many different pairs of eyes to be on all the properties. Things such as checking up on houses while out showing property. Making sure yard signs are in the yard of houses that are presently vacant. The quarterly inspections that an inspector can review occupied properties. Procedures to check up on properties during inclement weather. An example being your winterization process. Yeah. You know, you investigate and, you know, if it's going to be cold, you go by and make sure that the, the heat's set to a certain amount and right. faucets are dripping. Hilariously, that is how we found a squatter last year uh, in a property. We were doing dripping pipe checks. And this is very complicated. Lindsay and I actually touched on this in a previous podcast where we talked about winterization, why certain houses wouldn't be winterized prior to a major winter storm. And so there was this one particular property. It fell into a category of properties that hadn't, weren't going to be winterized prior to the storm. So in those situations, agents and assistants go and we check and verify that these properties have heat. Uh, that faucets are dripping, cabinet doors are open, and that the properties are secure. And so I drove up to this one property and walked in last year and smelt food cooking. And of course, immediately I'm thinking, am I having a stroke? You know, like what's happening? This is, I shouldn't be walking, walking into a, a vacant property and smelling 
food. I'd, and so I looked around, quickly saw somebody's personal effects on the ground. It was very messy. Walked into the kitchen and there was a, a pot that was actively sitting on the stove cooking. And uh, I just, I, I said, hello. And I didn't hear anybody. I said, hola, didn't hear anybody. Buenas noches, didn't hear, any, didn't hear anybody. Nobody commented back. And so, uh, and I looked down the hallway and saw several doors shut. Immediately turned around, walked outside, shut the door, locked the door and called the police. And I said, you know, called 911. I said, I'm sitting right here. I'll stay here until you get here. There is a squatter in this property. And so the police came, of course, I was able to open the door so they didn't have to kick it in. And between the time that I'd called the police and the time that they got there, the person had escaped out a window in the back of the house. We were able to find, because of the winter storm, we were able to find this individual inside of the property. And uh, we secured the windows, secured the locks, cleaned up the property, and there you go. What had they been cooking on the stove? A hot dog. They were boiling hot dogs in water. Yeah. Which well, is, you poach hot dogs. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Did you try them? Were they good? Oh, oh no. No. You, it, you missed out on an opportunity there. But he... I mean, that was free hot dogs. That's disgusting. I mean, and the, the amount of time that it took for us to clean up the house after that person was there. So, again, for the listener, um, we can't always control what happens in a vacant property. Yeah, we Alex, can do our best. You've yeah. seen all kinds of stuff. Not individuals always but you've seen some other things just in your day-to-day business right yeah people come in breaking in through windows or yanking off the security uh, bars sometimes depending on the property and just going through and trying to like take what they can and it's just people are out of desperation i assume you know just trying to do what they need to do but in the long term it affects us and other people you know on a day-to-day basis it delays us getting a property ready and getting it rented which you know delays the homeowner getting a new tenant Mm -hmm. and it's just a big cause and effect domino effect of uh, things that you know delay and it's inconvenient (laughs) right but you know the good news i think about how we do business is we do believe in people over systems and so there are a lot of companies that are out there that just want to have this sort of hands-off type of you know internet system to show property they have these smart lock boxes which i'm not opposed to smart lock boxes but to put that in place of a physical human being, you know, showing the property, putting their eyes on the home, making sure that the house is secure, uh, making sure that there is a sign in the yard. Um, I mean, what you do for us is has huge value. Um, oh, absolutely. I, well, I get comments all the time like, it's so nice to meet an actual person here. Um, y'all are very much hands on and we like that. Like, yeah. we get compliments on having a person there and having that interaction because it helps create that connection with someone so they feel more comfortable uh, renting through us. Right. Um, I think that's a good quality because a lot of companies, even the bigger ones who have good reputations, they don't always offer that kind of assistance. Right. Or they just have really people that aren't very good at right. making connections. Right. Yeah. So there's so many different ways that from your organization, you're out and about in the community and you get to look at the properties to see what's going on with them. And anything that doesn't look right, you're able to take action and investigate further. Um, so there was one other question that I wanted to ask Alex before we you know, ended the segment. And that is that, Richard, you had asked how we responded you know, when this we found this gentleman had moved his family into this property. So the answer to your question is one of those responses was that we stopped Craigslist advertising and we don't market on Facebook marketplace. We just those are two uh, marketplaces where we feel like uh, ads can be easily created, easily, you know, manipulated. If they're if their pictures are already on Craigslist, people will often just take those pictures off of Craigslist, create their own listing. And then now they're conning money out of people. So we we don't 
advertise on those two places. That's one response. We we have our own website, which on top of being the producer for this web uh, for this podcast, you're also the creator, uh, content creator, and 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 have created the infrastructure and all the SEO and marketing for our websites. MyMemphisRental.com propertymanagementmemphis.com, epmrealestate.com. These are all websites that you've created for us. I'm definitely guilty of that. Well, and one of the things that we've experienced um, just over the 20 years that we have been in business is uh, our public credibility uh, has been increased and strengthened through the fact that people are not only able to see our properties on Zillow, which is a phenomenal uh, a platform we pay to be on Zillow costs money, and uh, and then they're able to see the exact same pictures, Alex, which you post on mm-hmm. our website. Correct. So even though we've set up all these protections, what are some of the the cons that you're seeing now? Not necessarily out in with other properties, but but even with applicants. Like what's happening now in 2021? So um, a couple uh, weeks ago, I would say. Um, uh, one of our Zillow ads was in question because our information was set there, but then underneath there was like a comment section and uh, someone had put in, you know, contact me here at this number um, to view this property and to rent wow. this property. And it was like, and I saw the number was still there. I researched it, looked into it, and their information was still there. I reported it by Zillow and everything like that. But even with, like you said, all those protections and barriers we try to put up to protect our own properties, there are always those little loopholes people try to find to be able to scam those people. Right. They're thinking it's one of our agents that's putting a number there, and they're trying to contact that number. But luckily, we got somebody who was you know in question enough to where they didn't believe it fully and wanted to call the other number that we had listed actually on the listing, um, which you know helped me report that and get it taken care of. Right. So you're having to be always vigilant. Oh, absolutely. We got to be yeah. on the top of our game um, when it comes to these type of things. And as soon as it's up and noticed, we need to be able to take care of it and report it as soon as possible. Right. One of the difficulties as well is um, visual things are not easy to track on the internet. So in many cases, they're not even using the property address when they're posting a scam. They're posting pictures of the property. Right. In some cases, I've seen scams where someone has cropped a picture from Google Street Level, and that's the only picture they have, a kind of very poor front elevation of the property. So even with all the alerts that we have out on our property addresses and trying to track where our properties are being posted, we can't always see the anonymous ones that are out there. And that's why it continues to be a problem. And therefore, all the practices that you've now put in place in how you do business help to mitigate that and reduce the risk greatly. Absolutely. There's there's one other thing that I think is really interesting. And sitting across from you, Richard, I mean, we can all the listeners can hear that you were most likely not born in the United States. Yeah, I'm actually from the UK. And I've been living in the United States for about 22 years. So, so you're from the UK. You're living in the United States now, American citizen. That's right. Fant- yep. Fantastic. Love it. Uh, and But it, it proves a point that uh, not like you, right here in Memphis, Tennessee, it could be anywhere in America, in a city that it seems so small, so local. Um, the, to, to the renters, we would like to say you're going to be calling long distance phone numbers to see a property 
you know, that is right down the street from where you live. Right. So like here in Memphis, our area code is 901. Um, there are so many foreign invested and investor owned properties now and groups that are out of different cities that are managing property here in Memphis. We used to say, well, if it's not a 901 area code, you know, then you shouldn't call it, you know, that's gotta be a scam or something like that. Well, no, that's not the case anymore. You're calling all over the country and and honestly all over the world you're calling 1-800 numbers often with these new um, uh, marketing services that are out there so um so yeah i mean what used to be the easy ways of of guessing as to whether or not the marketing uh, the the listing that you were looking at was legitimate those ways are gone you know you're going to be speaking to people that that don't sound like somebody who lives here in memphis tennessee you know or even in the midwest and and um and yeah you're going to be doing business over the phone and by the internet one of the things i see alex do all the time he's not only meeting clients at the properties but they're coming to our physical office and so you know we have something here with enterprise that is is quickly vanishing there's still a place for you to come and visit with us and to ask us your questions um you know it people bring their rent in to our to our office even during covid and we've you know put up barriers to to help protect people and and, and their health uh in that situation but to the renter, you know, if you can find somewhere that has physical human beings that are working for them and an office location, so you're not just mailing your rent to, you know, somewhere far off, you know, like try to find that local presence, right? Yeah, like yeah, I mean, absolutely. That, yeah, makes you feel more comfortable that you can actually see the people, see the company, be in the physical location, and know that you know you're paying something legitimate. Yeah. It's interesting as well that you mentioned phone numbers because with caller ID spoofing, which is extremely easy to do, right? I appreciate that it makes it convenient for many business applications, but there is the fraud aspect of it that makes it just too easy. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, Richard, I want to thank you for, for bringing that up and, and um, for talking to us about the rental scams. Again, you know... The key here about about enterprise property management is that we are a licensed real estate brokerage. Uh, we have a business license to do business in the state of Tennessee. Um, we have a long-term physical presence here. And so, so many of our tenants have told you, Alex, and they've told me as well, that they have a comfort in knowing that they're working with a legitimate property management company, a legitimate real estate brokerage. And so, um, that's what we offer. And now, Neighborhood Chat. Now it's time for news of the strange but true, our favorite segment. Michael Boatman, 41, was discovered by two sheriff's deputies wandering down the street at 1 a.m. in Spartanburg, South Carolina, wearing only a clear bag over his genitals. Wait, what? I'm sorry, I was distracted. Read that again. Wearing a clear bag over his over genitals. Over his genitals. He was naked because we're not wearing collars anymore. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. He was doing the walk of shame. Because he had cheated on his wife. And his wife made him do that? I, I guess he just felt like he needed to pay penance. So he put a bag over his junk and went walking. I would think divorce the- would be so much more or less painful and less embarrassing. <laughs> Holy crap. And of course, as we always know, uh, it turned out he had been smoking marijuana and meth. Oh, well, that explains it. Okay. I knew there had to be another reason for that. He tried to run away from the police, but he was detained with his clear bag and taken to jail. They tell him to zip his Ziploc up? 
That is, that, I don't even know what to say, Glenn. I'm, I'm just, I don't know what to say. <laughs> April Fool's Day prank. Wichita, Kansas, April 1. Arnthea Willis, 58. Arn, Arnthea? Arnthea Willis, 58. Called her daughter that morning and said she'd been shot. So, so her daughter did daughter. what? Yeah. Mom called the daughter and said, I've been shot. And so, of course, the, the police department, the fire department, they all arrive at the house only to find out that she's not there. It was an April Fool's prank, and she's been arrested now. Holy crap. Who would think that would be funny to tell your kid you just well, got shot? Well, apparently, Arnthea Willis thought it was going to be funny. You know what? Let me tell you something. I've done some April Fool's jokes. I put my buddy's car, brand new car. It only had six months. I put it in a paper for sale with his cell number and his work phone number. Uh, for It was like a $40,000 car. I put it in there for twelve grand. so the wife and I moved in Hawaii must sell. It, it took him two months before he yeah, – I thought he was going to change his cell phone number. I thought he was going to have to. So I've done some pretty cruel things, but I would never call and say, Glenn, I've been shot. Call the police. That's crazy. If I did that, then Brett would beat the piss out of me at some point. I wouldn't do that. I'd feel very – I don't know what I would do. That, <laughs> That's just not – that's not a cool joke, though. No, it's not. And I mean, now, I've, my son did some April Fool's pranks on me. Like, he filled my shoes with ice. But <laughs> he did not tell me he'd been shot. Another story from the news of the strange but true. But I want to call out my producer, Richard. Richard is from the United Kingdom, which is not quite as united as it used to be. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's proud of it, too. And, 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 and no different than That's America. Nobody States likes well. us anymore. That's the one thing the we have united. together with, with yeah. our, our UK brethren is nobody likes us. Yeah. Now, Richard, there's plenty of actors that come from across the pond to work in America, and they want to make movies, so they drop the British accent. Have you ever dropped it? Can you sound like a Southerner? No, I don't think. <laughs> well, you know you what go. though, when I watch movies, this uh, this has happened to me a lot, and I you you see a fairly new actor, and it's a great movie, and then all of a sudden you see him on like ET, and they got this bizarre accent. And you're like, who the hell is this guy? And it changes their personality, right? Like all of a sudden, the badass you thought he was is this little wimpy, you know, cross the pond kind of guy. <laughs> Is that what I'm you sorry, think Richard. of our folks from the UK? <laughs> no, I was just digging it, Richard. Anyway, so what? What's what? What? Go ahead and dig on him. Let's hear the joke. James Harvey of Romford, England, has been fined thirty eight hundred dollars after his East London council received a hundred and fifty complaints from neighbors about his karaoke parties. It's been a nightmare," said one neighbor. "It was loud and his singing was terrible." Noise officers. We don't have noise officers. We do. Do we? I had one call to me for a Halloween party one year. Remember, we ended up oh, helping. Yeah. Sorry, I do remember that. We do have noise officers. He was doing covers of Dire Straits, Sultans of Swing, and Kenny Rogers. Wow. And Dolly Parton's Islands in the Stream. Harvey, who said he would appeal the fine, defended his voice, and he said, I'm, I admit I'm no singer, but I have a go. I have a couple people over, and they loved it all. They were, they were on drugs, too. I bet he was giving them free weed or something. I want to move into a topic um, that I've been dealing with here lately. Back in the crash, we have a number of investors, or even homeowners, 
the Great Recession. The Great Recession. Of um, That had to leave their homes for jobs, so they turned them into rentals. Yep. Or they purchased homes for pennies on a dollar because they were in foreclosure. Mainly, let's, let's take Cordova as an example. I'm dealing with one right now. It is over in the East Memphis area. So this investor, let me, I'll just give you the scenario and then it'll kind of make sense. So this investor decides they want to sell. They've, they've owned the house 10 years. It's gone up significantly in value, almost $90,000 in value okay. versus what they purchased it for. Yeah. So they want to sell, but the problem is, is they have a tenant that's going to be in there until November of 2021. So they contacted me, and as we were talking, they are like, well, I'd like for you to just go ahead and evaluate the house, and let's put it on the market in November. I put the brakes on right there. I said, listen, I said, right now, inventory's low, market's hot, everybody's paying over asking for anything that hits the market, and it's gone in a day. I said, if you wait until November, that's going to end, and you're not going to have the advantage of the hot buying season. So the, the number I'm giving you today could shrink, because as we have – more inventory than buyers, property values and purchase prices are going to level back off, back to what they and should that's, be. And that's because most people that are owner-occupants, they want to purchase in no later than July to get their kids into school in August. Right. And so that part of the market tends to level off or cool off in August or later, which then gives investors a greater opportunity. To buy. Yes. Yeah. Well, well. here's a solution. I've done this four, five, six times now. So what I've been able to do is I, I've contacted the property owner and told them, here's what your current value is. If we go to owner-occupant sale, here's what you're probably going to sell it for, but you're going to get over-asking prices. Here's your net. They like those numbers, but there's one big problem. There's a tenant still sitting in the house until November. So what I'm able to do, and anybody can do this, and if, if you're an investor looking to sell because your property's at the top of market, consider this idea. Get your real estate agent. If it's not me and Glenn, then get an agent. Why would it not be me I don't know. or you? Not everybody's smart. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> go to the tenant and basically offer them an early buyout. And here's, here's what I've done on every single situation, and it's worked out perfectly. I go to the tenant and say, listen, we, the, the owner wants to sell. Do you want to buy? Well, how much do you want for the house? In this case, 215000 The guy says no. Number one, he's 83 years old and doesn't want to buy another house. I think he just wants to move into a smaller place, manageable place. So he doesn't want to buy. So we get that out of the way. Say, so, okay, well, here's the thing. We'd like to ask you to vacate your lease early with zero repercussions. Both you and the seller will vacate the lease. And in exchange, let's say your move-out date is going to be May 31st. Your entire month of May is free of charge. That's eleven hundred fifty dollars. He's going to get. He's not going to have to spend. And once you move out, we will. As long as you broom sweep the house, don't leave a bunch of junk and trash in the house. We'll give you your security deposit back, no questions asked. Yep. Granted, you know we go in there and it's not just completely torn hadn't apart. Torn it up, then right? You so give to him, he's going to pick back. up two thousand fifty dollars. Yeah, in thirty days for simply agreeing to move out five or six months early. Yeah. So, yeah, he's like, I, yeah, absolutely, I'll do it. So, listen, there's a simple solution to this. There's no law that says you and that tenant can't vacate that contract and that lease. Now, if the, if the tenant says, absolutely not, I'm not moving, I don't want to move, then you can sweeten the pie and say, look, I'll give you 
you know, your deposit plus a thousand dollars plus a free month's rent, whatever it takes. Because in order for these folks to get that eighty five, ninety thousand dollar profit, I told them you're gonna have to invest some money into the deal and buy this tenant out. Yeah. Give them something that's worth moving for. So there's there's an easy way to make it happen. You know, just tread lightly. You don't wanna you don't wanna upset the tenant, you don't want them to think that you're trying to you know, kick them out. Um, or you're going to try to evict them. You just want to let them know, look, I'd like to sell the house. Do you want to buy it? Start the conversation that way. Well, and most most tenants don't understand what their rights are. No. And I always try to educate them when I go see them. I, in fact, yesterday, I went and looked at a property uh, to do a market analysis on the value of the property. And when I went and talked to the tenant, the first thing they say is, are they going to sell? Are they going to kick us out? I'm like, no. Because when you – even if you purchase a property that has a tenant with a lease, you are accepting responsibility for that lease. And so you can't just kick them out. So I always tell tenants, you have rights. You have the right to the quiet enjoyment of the property, and they can't cancel your lease just because the property sells. So if you have a property that you want the tenant to be gone from, then you just have to work. It's a, it's a business deal. Right. You have to say, what is it that I can do for you so that I can get this property vacant? And if that means giving them a couple of months of free rent, that's what you got to do. Well, it's worth your time. If, yeah. if you're going to, if you, if, if you have a choice to make $80,000 today, this in the next three months, Four months versus only making sixty five because you waited till the fall. What, what's your choice? Are you willing to invest two or three thousand dollars into getting the tenant out, getting the house market ready, and going to market? Well, absolutely, you should be. So it's a simple solution. It's doable. Um, it's not rocket science, but but I think when I was listening to a couple of conversations of investors talking about wanting to sell, but I've got a tenant. You know, there's a tenant there till twenty twenty two. Da da da. You know, they they're just sitting there thinking their hands are tied. And now they're afraid that they're, once this lease expires, the market's going to have changed, the value's going to go back down, and they miss the opportunity to take advantage of the market height and where it's at right now. So the best thing that folks can do in that case is call us. Sure. Give us a call. EPMRealEstate.com. Just call us. Um, I'm not giving my cell phone number out. If you need, you want my cell number, just go on there and get I'll off the website. I'll give mine out all day long. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> You're not me. <laughs> go to EPMRealEstate.com. You will find our cell phone numbers there. You can call us anytime, day or night. We're there to assist our yes. property owners and investors. Thank you for listening to Behind the Curtain Podcast, your real-world guide to real estate investment and property management. Be sure to subscribe at BehindTheCurtainPodcast.com. And if you'd like to learn more about Enterprise Property Management's real estate services, please visit us on the web at EPMRealEstate.com. This has been a Sound Ideas Group production for Enterprise Property Management, Inc. We'll be